Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm going to do something different. I don't want to do what James Rolfe has done because what James Rolfe did is amazing. All I wanted to do is come in and talk about games I enjoyed. I don't live in the past, but I appreciate the past. I'm nostalgic about the past, but I think we're living in the best time for video games it's ever been. I find these days I'm just kind of getting a little tired of the same old, same old. It's like the family guy-ization of <laughs> content. Hey, maybe if we reference something, that'll be enough to make things interesting. Lately, I've actually been enjoying playing bad games more than mediocre games. Are there any like guilty pleasure or bad games that you have fun with? Sometimes I enjoy the experience of just talking about a game. There's so many games that come out that you gotta think about that I don't talk about. Sometimes some of the other games get missed and I can only cover so much. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something, Mean Something. It is TCU's Days. We are here live recording on Discord every single Tuesday. If you want to join us, just join the Discord. If you want to chat, just become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. I am Kevin Lieber, and not with me as always is Matthew Tabor, who is off this week. He is probably, um, I don't know, archiving some old meat that he bought on sale in a freezer somewhere or perhaps some some tobacco cards based on famous dogs from the 1930s. You never know. You never know with Matthew Tabor. Uh, he could be doing any number of things, but he's not here. Who is here, though, is a longtime friend of mine, an old school YouTuber, somebody that I'm really excited to have back for the second time on TCU, the happy console gamer himself, Johnny Millennium. John, thanks for uh, coming back on TCU. Thanks for having me. And it's so funny. I woke up this morning and I'm like, oh my God, I got my daughter's cold. I'm like, great. You know, so bear with me if I have a little cough here and there, I'm going to try to work through it. But, uh, you know, it's kind of weird, Kevin. The last time I was on, I was just getting over being really sick. And here I am back in your podcast. I'm sick again. Isn't that great? Perfect. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I should stop inviting you on or something. And then you'll just be healthy all the time. I'm not really sure what the correlation is, but um, but I'm ready for some gamer tub talk. You know, if, oh, uh, yeah. if, any, yeah. if anybody wants to watch an old video of John and I uh, being weird on YouTube, then just look up uh, Happy Console Gamer Gamer Tub Talk where 
man, that was so long ago. You know, I was about to I was about to say, how long ago is that now? Well, well, look, the 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 point of reference I have is that you weren't married yet. And Kim is in that video. I don't know if you remember that she's in that video with you. Um, before oh, yeah, you guys remember. even got married. Yeah, she's wearing time. like contact lenses as well. It's like surreal to watch the video. It's like pretty wild stuff. And I mean, yeah, I think you did JonTron in the tub and then you did me or something. It was like crazy back then. Yeah, I got, um, <laughs> yeah, Peanut Butter Gamer, I think, JonTron, you. It was like a who's who of that era of of doing kind of video game stuff on YouTube. And that was actually what I really wanted to start off asking you about because, you know, we 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 had James Rolfe, the uh, the angry video game nerd, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And, right. you know, it was amazing to talk to him because it was the first time I, I've ever spoken with him, but he had such a big, like, seismic influence on so many creators back then that I think is kind of forgotten and lost now. But I had mentioned... In, the, in that podcast that, you know, his whole angry video gamer guy shit uh, ended up influencing you in a way to go the complete opposite direction as the happy console gamer because yeah. time, almost everybody was just doing the angry thing, right? It was really easy to do that, I think. I, I, sh I shouldn't say easy to do, but it was cool to do. Like, it was cool to be the angry guy bashing games. And I, I kind of like that too because there's a lot of games that I absolutely hated. I was like, I want to do that as well. But I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something different. I don't want to do what James Rolfe has done because what James Rolfe did is is amazing and it changed everything in the, the video spectrum on YouTube. And what I was going to do was something at the time brand new. Can you believe it? All I wanted to do was come in and talk about games I enjoyed. And that wasn't a big staple at the time. That wasn't a big thing. It was about being angry. So being happy and enjoying video games, that was kind of anti-cool. But... You know, everybody was uh, about to, to change that tune real quick because everybody was about to come onto YouTube as well and kind of do the same sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it goes to show just kind of, uh, I don't know how many people could have done what you did at that time. Like, certainly there are other people that could have, but if, if anybody hasn't watched uh, your most recent video of your game room tour, the game room 1990 tour, right. I please beg of you, pause this podcast, go to the Happy Console Gamer YouTube channel, check out his game room tour from, from his game room in 1990, because you will see that this guy was doing this way more hardcore and way more passionately way before any of this YouTube stuff came along. So it almost ended up being in a weird way, like YouTube was just finally a reason for you or, or a mechanism for you to talk to people outside of your, your bedroom, basically, about yeah. these games and, and anime too, but mostly the games. It's, it's, it's interesting. I really enjoy doing that video. And it's kind of like, I was looking at my life. I'm like, wait a second, this is like 30 plus years ago now. It's really strange. And that was just my life. And I mean, playing video games and watching anime was considered uncool. And But I always considered it very cool. I didn't care what anybody said. And so I'm really happy, to be honest with you, that I have video from back then, that I have all that to show that, yes, I, I was into this stuff now. I didn't just come onto YouTube and go, okay, I'm into video games now because like video games are cool on YouTube. It's like, no, I always thought video games and anime were cool. And so I really enjoyed doing that video to put, put across that, yeah, I mean, this has just been my life. It's not been uh, anything else but that. I mean, I, I have a real passion for anime and for video games, and it's never 
It's never gone away, Kevin. I'm 48 years old. I got into this stuff when I realistically, like with the NES, was I was probably like 12 or 13. And the passion and the excitement still continues to this day. In fact, I just got a review code. I won't say for what game. I was like a little kid, like, you know, like freaking <laughs> out, going, oh, my God, I get to talk about this game. I'm like, this is so exciting. I'm like, this is a, a game that really means something to me. It's like kind of a re-release. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to dive into this and, and give some light on it. Because back in the day when I did original play, nobody cared. I was just in my room by myself. My friends, Rob and Satan, would come over. And they're like, oh, you're just playing this game. This is awesome. We sit down. We have a couple of beers. And that was it. There was no YouTube. There's no way to put across the passion. And so you're right. It's almost like YouTube was created at the right time to give me, uh, uh, you know, me and many others, yourself included, uh, a way to verbalize our passions to the world. And, and I never thought that there would be, um, I didn't know how it would be received. I thought it was going to be embarrassing that people would want to laugh me off the internet going, oh God, this guy just likes video games. What's this? this, this what, a, what a nerd, what a goof and all that. And all the stuff you wanted to avoid in high school. I always try to fight against that, but it's kind of cool that YouTube has made it cool to like all this stuff. And we live in a very different time, Kevin, than we did back then. You got to agree on that. Oh, I totally agree with that. And that's something I've said actually on this podcast before, because I don't think that people who grew up kind of in the era of video games being mainstream, comic book, comic book characters being mainstream, all of that was just the nerdiest thing. Uh, I remember telling a story where um, when I pre-ordered Final Fantasy VII from KB Toys, nice. you got a free T-shirt. They gave yeah. you a free Final Fantasy VII T-shirt, which I still have somewhere buried. You know, the amount of times I've moved over the years, I've always kept that shirt because I thought it was, I thought it was cool, but I wouldn't wear it to school. I wouldn't wear the Final Fantasy VII shirt that I thought was really cool to school yeah. because of what you were talking about. I'm like, I'm going to get bullied. <laughs> I'm 100% going to get bullied for this nerd RPG video game t-shirt. So I, I, I was at, I was at a, what was, I was on at my body in school. <laughs> yeah. No, I was at a high school at that point. So I didn't have to worry about the stigma of high school. Like you had to understand back in when I was in high school, like in the 90s, early 90s, I was taping anime music from off beta onto my you know, beta, you know, onto <laughs> cassette tapes and going to school. And I was so I was so scared that somebody was going to say, "Are you listening to Japanese music?" Oh my God, you're a nerd! Like, because it was so different. It was so different in the late '80s, early '90s to do that. And by the way, Kevin, sorry to, to interrupt you when I did there, but I, I had two of those shirts. I went to two different places, put ten bucks down, and I got two shirts. And let me say, both of them are unwearable because they have so many holes in it. I wore them so many times, but I was out of high school at that point, so I could kind of get away with it. I was just in the basement all the time, so. Nobody, yeah. nobody had to see. Well, well. Speaking of T-shirts, I wanted to ask you a uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, maybe it was a week ago or so. You tweeted this amazing photo of of you and your late father from the mid '90s, right. and you were wearing a Dragon Ball Z shirt. And yeah. you know, my first thought is, oh my god, look at young Johnny with his ridiculous hair. Yeah. Um, my second thought is. Where does one get a Dragon Ball Z shirt in like 1995? Because well, now you can't like, you can't walk out the door with being smacked in the face with stuff like that. It's just everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's at Walmart. In 1995, impossible. I'm like, where did he get this? 
there's a good there's a good answer to it and you're right me and my friend rob all we wanted was video game shirts and anime shirts and you they, they were very hard to find there was no merchandise isn't that so stupid there was no merchandise back then like there is now so it was that picture was taken in hawaii i was 19 years old and we were walking down the street and some guy was if you notice it's not an official dragon ball uh design it is um you know, I think he was copying, this person was copying the original guy, you know, Kira Toriyama really well, but he, he was tracing over and then he did a print and he was selling them on the side of the street in Hawaii and we bought it. I think I got it was 20 bucks or something like that back then. I think my parents bought it for me, obviously. So uh, that's where I got that shirt and I still have that shirt somewhere. It's like, it's in some container somewhere. I, I have a huge collection, which is kind of really weird to say, of video game shirts. I have so, I have like, Kim gets mad at me because the closets, it's like, 60% uh, video game shirts, 40% Kim's clothes. And she gets so mad. She's like, are you going to get like move some of these or something? I'm like, I need all of these for the show. I can't, you know? So when I move a shirt out, she's so happy. She can move another outfit in or whatever it is. So yeah, but yeah, yeah video game shirts are, are, are fun for me now. Sure. That's kind of a hard thing to collect shirts because where do you put them? I mean, I think I have seen uh, some people who collect like heavy metal shirts and they'll They'll build almost like a display that you would see in a store with kind of like those cubbies so they could kind of like stack them. But I don't know. Shirts seem like a, a hard thing to collect. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I wanted to circle back a second because I didn't want to let this pass without asking you. You mentioned having a friend named Satan. How do you, why is his name <laughs> Satan? <laughs> I, I know. I met him. I was. You know, let me tell you a little story about how you meet people in the <laughs> 90s in video games and anime. I turned 21. I had a birthday party. And uh, so there's all sorts of all my friends are over and stuff like that. And somebody else invited this girl. And she's like, oh, you've got to meet my boyfriend. And I said, oh, what's his name? She says, it's Satan. And I'm like, I want to meet this guy. He sounds great. <laughs> so, so, so what happened is he worked at a gas station and some girls came up to buy something, some younger girls. And I think they wanted cigarettes or something like, and they were too young. And so one of the guys working there is like, oh, you, you can't you know, buy cigarettes underage. And they're like, why, why not? Like, you know, we're, we're aged. They're trying to fool them. Like, well, we got Satan works here. And they're like, what, Satan? Yeah, he's Satan. And that's where the nickname came from. And then everybody called him Satan. It was a, uh, hey, I, I even have a friend from back then called the Gooch. Remember that? Different strokes. The Gooch, there's a bully in there. I had a friend called the Gooch. <laughs> Everybody, you know what it was? Everybody had a nickname in the 90s and all yeah. that. So, so she says to me, hey, you, you should meet my boyfriend. He's really into anime and video games. And I'm telling you, Kevin, you know what it was like to find somebody that was into anime and video games? 
nowadays you go in a forum or you go on Twitter or you can you can meet people anywhere online. It's easy. Back then there was no online. So you had to hear from a friend to a friend to a friend that this person kind of liked anime or mm-hmm. they like video games. And then you're like, oh, and get this. Back then what we did, I said, give me his number. I called him up the next day. I'm like, hey, do you want to hang out? I didn't even know the guy. And I went and picked him up and we went to Richmond, uh, this uh, place by us. And man, I mean, they have so much anime stuff for sale there. And we went for the day and we had a really great time. And we hit it off and we were, we were friends after that. And, you know, played all the, the biggest RPGs and sat and drew together and stuff. I mean, isn't that funny how life works? Yeah, no, that is. It, you are right, though. It was like you if you ever found somebody that for for whatever reason also had like ninja scroll on vhs you were like yeah. who who are you and just so you know we are now best friends <laughs> yeah never let you go <laughs> it was a it was a i, I don't want to say it was a, a, a more interesting time it was a quieter time i mean i've said it so many so many times i say it to kim a lot it's not because i'm older and i'm looking back nostalgically but because everything is still online now i really appreciate like, like hanging out with my friends in the basement, uh, you know, smoking cigarettes, playing video games. And we none of us had a phone and we gave everybody, you know, face to face talk time all the time. Mm-hmm. It was like nobody was looking at a phone. We we're all looking at the screen or playing a game or communicating with each other. And I, it, I, I'm nostalgic about the quietness of the 90s. Is there anything that you miss, Kevin, from the 90s? Uh, you know, obviously, it's like wrestling from the 90s we miss and stuff like that. But is there anything back then that you like? oh man, I'd love to go back to the 90s for this reason. That's a really interesting question. I mean, I, I don't think about the past a lot. Uh, really? Just, just person. No, not really. I, um, I mentioned, I've mentioned so many times on this podcast how terrible I am at remembering things. Oh, wow. And, and it's simply because I don't think about them. Like, I don't really think about old things all that much. It, it's very kind of weird, I guess. But um, I have a hard time remembering stuff because I just kind of don't think about it. But um, I, would you say that you're a person that just like lives in the here and now and you have a bit of nostalgia, but you don't think about the past? Pretty much. Yeah, I'm, I'm really focused on I'm, I would say I'm really focused on today and tomorrow all the yeah. time. Like I'm always like, what can I get done today? What do I need to do tomorrow? And that's kind of where my brain is almost always. Well, you know, you know, what's interesting for me is that I have, you know, I have a daughter. I, it's always about what I need to do next. I'm, I'm in a full routine these days and it's very rare to get time outside of that. But, you know, the funny thing that I still do is I still think about the past. And let me tell you something. I'm like, you, I don't live in the past. That's mm-hmm. one thing I want everybody on the show and anybody listening to know is I don't live in the past. But I appreciate the past, and I think it's very important to kind of to look back on the past to to see where we're at now. And I I, I kind of do that quite a lot, of, you know, to say where were video games then? Where are video games now? How did I feel then? How do I feel now? And uh, I gotta say this: I'm nostalgic about the past, but I think we're living in the best time for video games. There has well, obviously, it's almost so obvious it's ever been. It's it's amazing, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're they're definitely, you know, now that I think about it for a second, there are like a couple of things that I do miss a little bit. Uh, one is hand-drawn anime. Right. I miss hand-drawn anime that's, you know, obviously never coming back <laughs> for a lot of reasons, financial mostly. But I have been really enjoying uh, the kind of like the remastered uh, discotheque Blu-rays that 
uh, a friend oh, yeah. of mine has been putting out. Um, Justin Savakis is is uh, in charge of a lot of those, but I've been really enjoying going back and, and watching those like eighties anime. Well, um, what, what have you been watching? Because I've been getting them all too, so I'm curious. Oh man! Uh, so um, uh, recently, what did I watch? Cyber City, Oeda. Yeah, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I always call um, it Odio, so I, I'm, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong because no, there's nobody in the '90s to correct me ever. <laughs> yeah, you know, so yeah. you just read it and make it up. That's it. Yeah. Um, uh, Crusher Joe. Crusher Joe yeah. was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, what was the one that I watched recently about the 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 little girl who has like kind of superpowers and she has like a little girlfriend and they, they end up fighting? Oh, uh, Project Aikens. Yeah, yeah, Project Aiko. I watched that one most recently. Oh, dude, I, I, I honestly, there was one afternoon. This is, it sounds funny. I've been sick the last couple of months, a bunch, but there was one afternoon. I got the, uh, the Blu-ray and I'm watching it. And I was having, I was having, it was really foggy outside. And I was having this little gin. And I, I'm not saying that I, I don't drink a lot, but I was having a little moment because I felt really crappy. And I was watching it and I got a tear, man, watching that. I, it took me back to 1988, watching that in a back room at a comic book convention on a wooden TV on VHS. And that was the first time I saw Project Aiko. And that, that was a really big deal movie at the time. I, do you, do you, were you there for that point? Or are you just jumping into Project Aiko now? I'm curious. No, no, I'd never seen it before. I'd never even heard of it until wow. this, you know, I saw buzz around the Blu-ray. You posted about it. Justin posted about it. And I was like, I got to check this out. And one of the things that stood out to me was the music, man. Like I know that- oh, yeah. 80s-ish music, synthwave stuff. I mean, we use synthwave stuff with this podcast um, is really big now, but there really is a, a major difference, you know, sonically to the music that was actually made in the 80s with those machines. You can hear the difference and it's really fascinating and awesome to me, you know, because I was a kid when that music was really popular. Yeah. Hearing that stuff again uh, is such a trip. Well, what's interesting about the music about Project Deku as well, I, I got the vinyl uh, record in the other room. I, I love the soundtrack so much. I've listened to it for the last 30 years. Plus, um, what I was going to say about that is that the, so the singing is obviously, um, you know, like uh, English speaking girls who did the singing, which is, it was really different in an anime back then. But here's the thing, Kevin, and on the Blu-ray, you got to watch it. There's a documentary on the making of the music. And that is, the best documentary for Project Deco you're going to get on the disc. It's amazing. It was actually, it was actually um, American guys who did the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And so they met with the Japanese and they're like, and the Japanese people are like, okay, we want music that sounds like this, sounds like this. And they just went off and wrote it. And they created, I, I still think, one of the best soundtracks in an anime nearly ever. Because just for the, as you're saying, the, the, uh, the techno-esque kind of music from back then, the synthesizing music was so cool and so much bigger than the anime was. What did you think about the animation itself? Like, Oh, oh it was great. It was great. And there were so many funny moments in that movie when she's yeah. like, she gets stuck on the jet, <laughs> the jet fighter as the jet yeah. is going up and the guy looks up. I, I mean, I, I, I laughed out loud at that part. But yeah, the animation is great. The animation is great. In, uh, in so many of them, you know, the, the earlier 80s ones, I kind of have uh, not trouble with, but the, the, the animation was 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 like noticeably cruder. It yes. still has charm to it, but it's cruder by the late 80s. Holy crap. There were so many. I mean, I didn't I didn't realize we'd get so far into anime, but 
by the late 80s, they really hit their stride with so much of this stuff, like the Crusher Joe OVA, which came yeah. out, like the Crusher Joe movie was early 80s. The Crusher Joe OVA was later 80s. And holy cow, the drawings in that, in that OVA are astounding. They're just eye candy. You just sit there yeah. and almost don't even care what's happening because it's so pretty to look at. Yeah, I, I think, that, you know, people will say, a lot of people will be jumping into anime now and they have their favorites, but I really think it was the boom. It was a, it was a certain time period in Japan. And I don't want to say, like, actually one of my friends, the King of Smut 95 calls it, I think GGG, Guns, Girls, and Gore. And that's what it was, a lot of it was about back then. So you get like, yeah, a lot, there's a lot more gore. You don't get a lot of gore anymore. And I'm people are like, oh, why would you want that? Well, I enjoyed it. I mean, like, you know, Japanese creators back then were very influenced by, uh, you know, American movies. So you have The Thing, The Terminator. These kind of themes are like all in that anime during that booming time. And uh, I really appreciate it. And you're right, Kevin, like looking at some of the early 1980s stuff is difficult, even for me being an old school guy. But you can say in the late 80s into the 90s, they were just on a different level. And I think I still feel this way that back then there was a storytelling that was going on in Japan. They were really a lot more into science fiction and really interesting stories. Like they even say that The Matrix was uh, taken from Megzone 2-3. Uh, the whole idea mm -hmm. that you know, you're living in a, a world that's not really your own. And I, I just feel that some of the best story ideas came out of the 80s. But that is for American movies as well, though, don't you think, at that time? Yeah, 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 definitely. I actually read, oh, oh before I forget, speaking of gore, Geno Cyber was another one that I yeah, oh, watched yeah, yeah, recently. Yeah, I that is like notoriously very violent, uh, but, but awesome and an incredible animation. I, I read something recently that I found really compelling. I don't know if it's true, but it 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 piqued my interest, and I and I found it in and I found a, a compelling argument. It had to do with what you're talking about. It had to do with storytelling, hmm. and essentially the argument that was being made was that I don't really know how to draw a line here, and I don't recall exactly what era they were drawing a line. But let's just say it was late '80s, early '90s. Uh, essentially, they were suggesting that creators at that time. We're, we're drawing from influences with a, a, a wide range of like mediums, not just like movies, but, you know, uh, books, <laughs> literature. Right. Uh, basically, they were drawing from a whole kind of like array of influences to craft their stories. You know, I think Akira in particular, like the uh, the influence of, of Akira are like very, very clear. I can't cite them off the top of my head, but I watched a... I think there was a documentary on the Blu-ray for Akira that talked about the influences of, um, like, you know, the old robot cartoons, the nuclear oh, stuff. Oh, definitely. Blah, 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 blah. Um, check that out if you're interested in that. But the, the point is, uh, there's a suggestion that today's creators, t today's writers, storytellers, don't really have as cultured almost a background in storytelling and they're sort of just rehashing stuff that they've already seen before. And oh, I, that's why I mean, we're not getting stories that are that interesting <laughs> right well, now. It's, 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 it's a really hard time to be a fan of science fiction and all those kinds of things because I'm watching stuff and I'm not going to go into the shows like, you know, say like a show, like I'm going to say Picard, I'm watching that. And it's like, 
okay, we're doing stuff that was done in the next generation in a few other episodes. We're doing the same thing again. They're like, they've just run out of ideas. They're going back and saying, oh, well, that worked back then. We'll just regurgitate it again. And once in a while, that's fine, but it's all the time now. All they're doing is remaking everything, kind of making it like the past, but changing it. And it's just not as cool, you know? And I'm, yeah. I find myself going back and watching a lot of stuff in the 90s a little bit more now. I don't, a lot of, you know, movies and, uh, and TV shows these days don't have my attention the way things did back in the past. And maybe that's a sign that I'm just getting older. Yeah. But I also think that, yes, I think we're creatively bankrupt now. I think people are growing up and they're growing up with shows and just saying, oh, I'll copy that show. I'll copy this show and this show and this show. And I don't think that creates for a great thing. They're not going to books that were written before all this boom happened. Like there's so much anime, like Lensman. There's this book Lensman that was made into an anime in, in Japan that's really, really cool. And even Starship Troopers, nobody knows this. Starship Troopers was made into an anime first from the book. I know. Oh, that, I didn't know that. You can go onto uh, YouTube. It's uh, I believe it's three OVAs. I may be wrong. I watched it a couple of years ago and I knew about it back in the 90s. Um, but it was nice to see subtitles on it because I didn't see it with subtitles by then. But it's, it's kind of cool. And it's very it's closer to the book. So they got the powered suits in that anime and stuff like that, where when you got Starship Troopers, the movie, there's no powered suits. Maybe they can do the CGI for that back in the 90s. Starship Troopers, what a great movie. But uh, yeah, I just, but for sure, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if everything's going to get back on track, if we're going to get original ideas. Like, think about the Terminator series. We got Terminator 1, which is amazing. Terminator 2, unbelievable. Terminator 3 is like, okay, we're just going to do a female Terminator now. Kind of the same thing. And then after that, we're just doing the same thing over and over and over, running into the ground where you want to see something different. You want, like, even for me, the Alien franchise, I want to see something brand new mm -hmm. from the Alien. I don't want to keep, oh, it's another Xenomorph on a ship. We've already done that and it's already been cool. I want to go like to the alien homeworld and take them out. I want I want new concepts. And I find these days I'm just kind of getting a little tired of the same old, same old and repeating the past type of thing. So sorry, there's my rant. I'm out on that. No, one. no, I, you're right. I mean, I feel the same way largely. And, and I do think that I will absolutely chalk some of it up to just getting older and, you know, saying, oh, the stories were better when I was a kid. You know, everybody does that. Anyone who's sure. listening to this and they're, you know, 15 right now, you'll do that. Just wait. But <laughs> I do oh. agree that it seems like stories. Uh, oh, oh, real quick. I wanted to say uh, this isn't just conjecture on our part about people rehashing stories. I know a writer in L.A. who flat out told me that he just will watch old Star Trek episodes like original Star Trek, Captain Kirk and and rip them off and just change yeah. this and change that and adapt it to whatever the show he's working on is. But the, the, you know, the, the, the framework of the plot is essentially the same thing. So that literally does happen. That's not us just making that up. Um, what I did want to say though, is I do think that there's a weird thing about kind of piggybacking off what you're talking about where stories do not get developed. And, and I felt that way about stranger things. So we did a whole episode with, um, uh, Sean Malone, who's actually coming back onto TCU in a few weeks and really excited to talk to him again. But the first time we had Sean on, I was, it was like a little bit of an open air therapy session where I was trying to almost talk myself into why I, I, I hated what Stranger Things turned into. Mm. 
Um, and, and eventually I realized it's very simple. It's that my expectations for where they would go building that world were not fulfilled at all. So the types of things I was looking for them, you know, to kind of explore when it comes to the upside down and all of that stuff, what they ended up doing with it was not in any way what I, I, you know, what I hoped for. It didn't seem at all as interesting. Instead, it turned into kind of like an anthology series where like each season just pays homage to like other 80s. I know. Like horror films. And I was like, uh, okay, I didn't, that's not the show that I thought this was. And so I stopped watching it. I'm like, well, this is not a show that I'm interested in. I was interested in the world that you created no, I, in season really, one. And then you just kind of decided not to really look into it after that. It's, it's milking its own nostalgia. That's all it's doing. It's like eating itself, right? It's not presenting anything new. Like the, one of the shows of the biggest blue balls at the end was lost for me. I don't know if you ever watched Lost. I gave up on that. Look, dude, I checked out so quick when I, like very early on, I was like, they don't know where they're going with this. There's no plan. And this is a lot of nonsense. I'm out. In like season one, I felt that way. You know, I didn't watch the rest what, of it. And I was almost out too, but J.J. Abrams, before he did all Star, Star Trek and Star Wars and all that, uh, he came out and said, don't worry, guys. I've got a plan in mind. He said this, don't worry. And then we know what the ending was. I was so mad. I bought all the boxes. I bought the boxes for my mom back then. She loved watching the show. And when it got to the end and it was like, oh, oh I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but I'm telling you, don't go and watch Lost if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Do not waste your time. Do not waste your time. So, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a weird thing too, you know, to, to be, to even the shows that you get invested in, like for me with Stranger Things and all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, anyway, so now this season is like a, in, you know, invaders of the the body snatchers homage and it's like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> this is not interesting right. to me. Like I want to see the characters explored. I want to see the world explored. I want like new conflicts and new danger. And yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, it's like the family guyization of <laughs> content where it's like, hey, maybe if we reference something, that'll be enough to make things interesting. Yeah, like, no, you know, not for me. I, I, I don't you, know. You verbalized it in a way that I watched it and I was like, hmm, okay, yeah. I just, I kind of was losing interest in the last season. I was like, well, that's interesting. I like some of the references and all that, but I, I wasn't, I didn't feel the same way I did the first season was like, wow, you know, like that was a big deal season. And then after that, I was like, oh, okay. And I've never analyzed it. It's one of those things that was popcorn filler for me and I'm, I'm out type of thing, so. Put down your can of Hyper Hydro Monster and your Crimson Berry White Claw. It's time to rethink the beverages in your life. We drink a tremendous amount of tea, working on videos, recording the podcast, but we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. They've got a gunpowder green tea called Space Cowboy. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know why Kevin likes it. I used to chew gunpowder green tea leaves when I played baseball in the 90s. I love the stuff. Dragon Well Z, Samurai Chai Plu, Black Teas, Herbals. The Dragon's Treasure describes itself as a haven for anime and tea lovers for a reason. They've even got a tea called Uwu. It's got apple bits and cocoa nibs. It's crazy. I bought the 60 tea sampler pack as soon as I could. I wanted to try everything. It's that good. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using the code CREATE, you'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE 
at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. Look, find me another place that sells Russian caravan tea with a name like, and then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. You can't. Thedragonstreasure.com, 10% off when you enter the code CREATE at checkout. The link's in the description below. Get brewing, space cowboys. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, we, we, we're coming off, Kevin. It's funny. We're coming off as being very negative right now. And, and that's always funny to say because we're so positive about so many things. And that kind of, this is a good bridgeway into you because you've been telling me for a while, oh, I've been kind of out of video games, you've been saying, and, you know, this game was supposed to, you know, do this for me and it didn't do it. And that all changed for you recently, didn't it? Yeah, I know. It's so funny. So, so I don't, I don't have like a, a whole lot of people to vent my video game frustrations <laughs> to. So, you know, you I, I'm like a therapist. To, I'm his therapist. Yeah. I hear it all the time. You have to bear the brunt of that. But yeah, man, I had a stretch last year where, uh, every game, every new game that came out that I was excited for, I, I didn't enjoy. I just didn't have fun with it. I was like, this is kind of boring. Can, can we do a list? Can we go through a couple of them? You don't, this is not a shaming list because we all feel very differently about video games and it's okay not to be turned on by a game. I mean, why the game doesn't owe you anything. I mean, you don't owe the game anything. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of all of them. The, the few off the top, the one I complained to you about the most was Metroid Dread. Um, right. that, that was a game that I was so hyped for. I love Metroid and I just wasn't happy with the product that they ended up, you know, putting Ooh. out. Um, Ease 9 was another what? one. Yeah, like, I don't know, like just that city just walking around and then you have to like do those like tower defense things to clear up like red goo. I don't right. know, I was just like, I, I liked Ease 8 so much more. Like Ease 8 felt like an, an adventure where you could just wander around this island and unlock stuff. Ease 9, I was like, this doesn't feel like an adventure. It's like I'm in this prison and I can't get out and I don't really care. So I, I think it's got a very about. negative beginning to that game. You're right. Uh, but once you get past that and you open up the city and you have everybody's different abilities, it feels really good. The game comes together at that point and then you leave the city and then you're like, oh God, yeah. Because at first I was like, oh, this prison, like, can we get, never start a game in a prison. I think, I, I, or you, you can, but don't spend too much time there. Just get out and let's get going. You know what I mean? I think that's what that's what turned yeah. a lot of people off for sure. So I, I don't think you're alone on that one. It just seemed drab, but I mean, it is possible that I could go back and really enjoy it. Because one game that I went back to and really enjoyed with was Death Stranding. Um, right, you did. Yeah, that was a game that I I played for a bit, and I was like, this is pretty cool, you know. And then I gave up on it. And then when the PS5 upgrade came out, I went back to it, and then I just spent like 80 hours just loving that game. It was such a weird vibe. I felt like it was. It was like Animal Crossing for sci-fi people. <laughs> That's how I felt Death Stranding was. It, it, it's just, funny that you, you didn't like the game at first because, Kevin, I would, I would say that game is created for you. Really? Why? Well, I think because you have a very analytical mind and that game is about figuring, it's about puzzle solving and about figuring out your ways across certain things and how can I use this and this. And I think... I think you you once you got it, you're like, this is my game because I I, I can see that it's for me it's it's um I love the world building in that game and I like the music and I like I like a lot of things in it, but I I I will never I don't think I'll ever finish the game because it just it, sometimes I get frustrated by it. Where mm -hmm. you had that kind of brain, you're like, no, I understand how this all works and I'm going to do it, and you got it. 
And so I, un- I understand that certain games are like that for certain people, you know? Yeah. I think at first I was overwhelmed by how kind of big it was. So, you know, yes. I played it for like, you know, whatever, 10 or 15 hours. And then I was like, I don't know if I'm going to spend another 70 hours doing this. So that's yeah. when I put it down. And then when I went back to it, it you're right. It really did click. And I was like, all right, what kind of boots do I need? And you have that brain. You, you're the kind of guy, if you reviewed this game, it would be an analytical review of an analytical game. It's, it's, it just makes total sense. I, yeah. I really see that. It's funny. Um, and then, and then there were games that I really loved parts of and really didn't like other parts of, like uh, Resident Evil 8. Oh, wow, you uh, didn't like it? I loved the first half, and the second half, I felt like I was just kind of going through the motions. Like, right. the, the whole uh, mansion was so mm-hmm. cool, and then that really creepy, like, dollhouse, like, uh, uh, scenario that was totally inspired by P.T., Oh, I thought it was so cool. And then the second half of the game seemed more like, all right, now we're going to ramp up the action and here's a bunch of guns and you got to shoot things. And I was like, uh, I really liked the slow kind of horror half a lot better than the, you know, from the, what, the grenade from what, launcher part. From, from what I heard is that the, the seventh game was too scary for a lot of people. This is what Capcom said, that it was too gross. What? And so, yeah, yeah, you can go online and find this. I, I, I read this a while back. I think it was even in my, one of my reviews I did on the game is that, so you can feel that seven is really kind of like gross and kind of dingy and evil and creepy where eight, it, it has the, the setting, but once you're walking around, it doesn't feel quite that way. You're like, Oh geez, you know, lady D's around the corner. That's kind of scary, but you're not grossed out. I think that's what it was. They were trying to lower the grossing out factor. And then you're right. You know, if that's such a Capcom thing, to get to the end of a game, here's all the guns. You know, that kind of, that kind of really, yeah. really, really be, that, that's been in all of the Resident Evil games to a certain extent, but it did feel like they went, okay, here you go. And it's like a different game. I'm with you yeah. on that, but I still loved it. I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. yeah. The graphics and the atmosphere were really cool, but, but it wasn't, so then I had my, yeah, my little intervention with you and I was all bummed out. Yeah. And, and then uh, I, I took a flyer on Tales of Arise. And right. one night, you know, I, I was just uh, needing to unwind. Oh, like Nino Kuni 2 was another game I tried. And I was like, this game blows. I don't like it. It's not fun at all. Like, it's beautiful to look at, but like the gameplay is is stupid. Yeah, I, I, I kind of was a little that way, but Kim loved it. She finished that game. To be honest, we liked it overall when we finished the game. We liked it overall. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It had that. What do you call that when it had, you have like your little armies and they just smash into each other? The problem with the game is it has so many different variable gameplay things going mm-hmm. on. So you have combat, then you have these little, yeah, the little skirmishes and things, right? And the exploration. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 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 very unusual, and I I would have liked if they'd concentrated just on on some aspects more. But it wasn't a failure of a game. I mean, there's failures of games out there. Wasn't it for me for a JRPG? But. Um, yeah, so so you did that, and then what what game were you getting into? Uh, Tales of Arise. That's I, right. I bought that on a flyer because I was like, ah, like a couple of people who I like said this game was good. Um, I have played Tales games in the past, <clears throat> and I thought they were they're they're pretty good. But holy crap, I was blown away by Tales of Arise. Like that game, the combat in that game Unreal. is so freaking fun. 
that it actually did the impossible and it made random encounters fun for like a hundred hours. Like I never got bored just having random encounters in that game because it's so fast. It's so fluid. There's so many things to do. It's so cool. (laughs) You know know, what it is? It's, it is what we, you know, when we go from one machine to the next, you know, so we go from PlayStation two to three and four and all that. This game feels like a next generation experience with the combat engine. It feels like, yeah, I'm playing a next generation RPG. Like you, mm-hmm. you can see that in the world that it builds running around, um, how good the graphics are, how smooth it is, how imaginative it is, though. It's not just that there's good graphics, it's really imaginative, and there's a lot going on in your world. You're running around, you see a merchant there, there's a monster over here by the water. It's got this kind of magical feeling. And then you're right, you get into combat, and you're like, oh my God, I feel very at home here. And I, I'll say this much, and the storyline is a bit whack, and it gets a little bit more whack as you go on, and all that. I put it this way. Me and Kim finished that game for review, and I can't remember the storyline worth anything for me. I can't remember anything about it. No, yeah. I'm, I'm being dead serious. I no, no hate to the game. I remember liking it at the time, but going, this is a little far-fetched at the end. This is a little ridiculous, uh, and all that. I think what it was is I was there for the combat. I was there for the music and for uh, running around and exploring the world. That's the things I enjoy the most. And uh, the storyline, I know I enjoyed, but it just kind of got me from the beginning to the end. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it was just the gameplay loop of that game clicked with me in a way where I was like, oh, I do still like video games. This is freaking really fun. And and it's one of those games where, you know, you, you look forward to sitting down and, and playing it again. Yeah, the story was like, I, you know, if you paid me, I wouldn't do a good job of, of explaining See? it. it was one of I know, it's one of those. It, it got crazier and crazier. It was like the alien people, you know, they were oh, pressing yeah, the right. other people. Right. But then it turned out there was like this spirit energy that was controlling them. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it spiraled out of control. But the gameplay loop, if, if, if anyone is interested in JRPGs or has been disinterested lately in JRPGs, um, the two that I would recommend the most are Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is amazing. The story in that and the characters in that are so it's amazing. good. Yeah. So good. And, uh, and definitely Tales of Arise. But I wanted to make a point to you, and, and just I'd love to hear what you think about this. Because, well, you know, when I was thinking about, all right, I have, you know, we have Johnny coming on the show. I'm going to kind of think about, you know, what to talk to him about it as far as like the video game stuff. He- here's what I, realized a little bit of a realization about myself and i don't know what this means but it's probably pretty weird but i'm just going to share it with you uh lately i've actually been enjoying playing bad games more than mediocre games so i'm in this weird (laughs) spot now where the games that i'm enjoying the most so for instance elden ring i absolutely loved i finished that game i played it for a hundred and 13 hours or whatever. Wow. It was amazing. I love the FromSoft games. So that game is absolutely a 10 out of 10. I loved that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I've been playing through games like the Sopranos game on PS2. Oh my and Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Enchanted <laughs> Arms, which is... A PS1 know, like game? A PS, P, no, no, no. Enchanted Arms was a PS3, Xbox 360 from soft JRPGs. Oh, I, 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 can see, I can see the game. Yeah, it just come from the era. Yeah, yeah. It was like one of the earliest JRPGs of that console generation. Um, and then the game I started 
uh, recently since I finished. So I went from Elden Ring to Saw on the PS3, which is like a horrible. Well, it's 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 horrible. The controls are horrible. The like the the battle mechanics are just atrocious. Um, but the atmosphere and stuff are cool. It's very gory, but it's 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 not a great game. Mm. So. I don't know what that means, but like I would rather play like a, a kind of an objectively bad game that has a weird charm to it than kind of like a, a game that I think is is new and shiny, but is but I feel like is kind of middle of the road and not. Well, doing I, I really think I think you're coming off a game like Elden Ring, which is such an incredible marvel, a modern you know I was going to say filmmaking, a modern video game creation. And then, so after that, you're not going to jump into another Elden Ring. You're like, I've done something really big. I'll, I'll dabble with some, you know, silly games here, some silly games there. You're, you're allowed to do that now. I think that's what finishing Elden Ring allows you to do, is just have a bit of m- meaningless fun after that, before the next soul-crushing game comes in for you, right? <laughs> is, this like, you know, is it a pendulum swing? I don't know. Are there any, like, kind of guilty pleasure or, uh, you know bad games that most people consider bad games oh. that you have fun with oh like, like, sure like, but, or, or recently at all oh geez i think um well um usually i'm playing all the latest stuff we go i go back and play some older stuff once in a while but you know games from my childhood would arguably be all terrible to to new people they would all be like terrible like playing a game like Golvelius, which is a zelda ripoff on the master system is a game that i find so charming and i have so much uh history with but boy it's, it's it's not a great game in a lot of ways and it's very hard and people would just get, get frustrated put it down and never want to try it again but a lot of my games from my childhood are those games because kevin like w- me and you grew up with the nes and the super nintendo and all that where there's a lot of old you know i shouldn't say older kids but a lot of kids nowadays that are looking back going oh my god these these games are horrendous why would you have played them we're living in that time we are like the atari now you know that's like the atari time like i remember when i got the nes i was like "Ooh, the atari that sucks you know i was trying to be an elitist back then and uh, i think that's happening now it's really nice i have a friend who owns a video game store and he says that uh young kids are coming in with the parents and these kids are like looking for nes games they're looking for super nintendo games they're looking for that era they they love it i don't know if it's their parents influence or not but it's nice that uh, younger people are still getting to enjoy those older games. But I think a lot of them would offend most people nowadays. Unfortunately, not all of them, not all the classics. I'm not saying Super Metroid is going to offend anybody. It's not going to. I was going to um, say, I still think Super Metroid is the best Metroid. <laughs> it, it definitely has some of the best music. I, I, still, I still feel the music has not been topped from that game. And it's not nostalgia. When we got to Prime, Prime has some really nice uh, yeah. music in it. Um, like that was a big thing for uh, Metroid Dread. I even said in my review with Rob, as much as we liked the game, I know you didn't. Um, the music was absolutely forgettable. There is, yeah. there's no song that I was like, oh my god, this is this is really standing out to me. It's just it goes in the background. It's not offensive, but nothing stands out. I mean, and all that. It's funny, even like a game like Tales of Arise. Um, it's a great game, but I don't. I don't go, man, I need to get the soundtrack for that. But then again, Shin Megami Tensei Five. I'm like, I ordered the CD soundtrack the other day from PlayAsia. I'm like, well, I got to have that. So it did mm-hmm. still, you know, the, the music is still pretty good in these games, depending on the game and all that. But yeah, anyways, I, yeah. I'm surprised that Metroid Dread just didn't remix 
like Super Metroid and original Metroid tracks. I don't know. Then, then again, I mean, it would have just been regurgitating the past. If we, yeah, we, we need yeah. to do new things. We need to do new yeah. things and all. Yeah, that. even if even if you strike out, it is it is good to take risks. Oh yeah. Um, we want to help you make something and mean something. And we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something, even if it's just to you, that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating. The support for the Create Unknown in recent weeks has been incredible. Animators, artists, musicians, YouTubers, aspiring filmmakers, comedians, it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is. Consider joining the Create Unknown Patreon. Every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community. That means more highlights videos. It means a big Minecraft project that's on the way. And eventually we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station. And being a patron unlocks participation in all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. There are a couple of like YouTube specific things that I really wanted to ask you. One is that I noticed that you're doing more uh, first thoughts videos rather than mm -hmm. full reviews. Now, is that like a time time thing on your end that doing like a full review is just too oh, much yeah. time I'll, for to spend on one game? Well, the problem is you might may, may have seen that lately, but we had so many big games come out at the same time. So I play uh, Horizon Forbidden West, and it's like I was only about you know ten hours ish in, and I'm like, well, I can just do a first thoughts on this because I'm still gonna play this game, and I'm you know that game is amazing, I love that game, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's Elden Ring comes out. I'm like, oh my god, I have no time just to kind of go in and do one thing uh, the way I want. It's funny, I just got a review code today for a game that I absolutely will review. It will be a, like a full review. Uh, and all of that, and I'm going to go in depth and all of that. It's it's time when you have too many open world games coming out. Who can do that? Mm -hmm. Who can do that? You can do it at IGN if you have all of these different people reviewing different games, but here it's just me or Kim. That's it. Uh, that's the only people who are playing the games over here, and we legitimately play the games, right? So we want to. I want to go in. You know, for me, Kevin, sometimes I enjoy the experience of just talking about a game. And giving a first thoughts and saying, guys, Elden Ring, my God, this game is like, you know, even in the first 10 hours, this is a game of the year. This is without question. This is nothing to even debate and all of that. And uh, just the, you just, and yet I just want to talk about because I'm enthused. And hey, put it this way, there's so many games that come out that you got to think about that I don't talk about, that I mm -hmm. don't, I, I have to specifically uh, make a list of games that I want to talk about. I'm like, Elden Ring, I think that'll be interesting talking about. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West, big game as well. Uh, so I want to talk about those games. So sometimes some of the other games get missed and uh, you, I can only cover so much and all that. So that's why uh, a few more first thoughts. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's completely fair to do. I mean, if every, like, because I have such a variety of uh, content on the channel. I hate seeing content. Uh, videos on the channel. Uh, talking about video games. So it's not just one first thought after another. You know, that would be over. I'd be like, oh, come on, man. Do something. You know, that that at that point. So. Yeah, so that's the way. Yeah. That's, that's why it is. Uh, just some big games, you know. Yeah, I was just wondering because I, I thought to myself, like maybe this is kind of like an angle that that Johnny feels like 
you know, he can really provide a service or, you know, to, to people who just want that kind of guttural reaction to a thing rather than yeah. some deep analysis where it's like, well, here's the frame rate on Xbox S compared you know to I me. Mean? Yeah, like, there that's are channels that'll do that. Like you can go to Digital Foundry and they'll do that for you. There you can go to this channel and he'll, you know, tell you all about the voice acting or whatever. But for you, it's always really just been about passion. So it seemed yeah. to me like, you know, maybe the first thoughts thing almost is really like a, a unique happy console gamer thing. Um, I, I don't know if who else was doing it at the time, but I remember doing a first thoughts video and that was kind of a weird thing to do. It's like a first thoughts on the game. Usually it was a review um, and all of that. So you would think people would think, wow, you're pretty lazy, man. Why don't you just review the thing? Because <laughs> like, you know, ostensibly it would seem like first thoughts. Why don't you just do the full review? Well, but you know, do you know that you, they, it works so well. You know, uh, there's, there's times, there was a time when I got uh, Ease 8. I got it two weeks early. Boy, oh boy, could I sit and take my time and do that game. There's no other game out. And I was able to go in and do my review on that. Like, no problem. Where a lot of these times, like, this is a whole debate for another thing, where some of these companies, uh, they give like IGN and them games weeks ahead of everybody else. And then you get a game a couple of days ahead and you're like, what, what can I do? I've, I've, I've not argued behind the scenes, but I've said, hey, I, I really want to do a full review. I need some time. I can't just like, so that's why I, I opted for some first thoughts. So at least I can get in there and talk about it and get out uh, and be fine with it and then play the game on my own time uh, type mm-hmm. of thing. But it's sometimes, yeah, sometimes you want to you be out. Like I, I like to be out when the bargain comes out. I think, I mean, I, I did years of reviews far after the embargoes have come out. I, I've done reviews of games years later. So I kind of like sometimes getting a review out, especially on games that I like, uh, during the time that it's kind of hot. That is true. I'll definitely say that. There's no problem with that. Uh, because I was there anyways wanting to play it day one. So, you know, I want to talk about it day one. So, yeah, so that's kind of how it kind of goes with all of that. I mean, I wish, I wish there was more time in my life, because I already dedicate so much time to the show. It's, it's insanity. It's completely oh. insanity. You know? Yeah, I believe it. Well, love it, though. You know, love it. I'm not complaining. Well, no, I know. And, and it's obvious. And anybody who's followed your channel for, for <laughs> the last how many years? 14, 14 years. 14, 14 years. Um, that's obvious. But, you know, one thing that I really like to do on this podcast, and one of my goals for the create unknown is really to be able to kind of contextualize creators like yourself because i don't think that you know it's it's sort of one of those things where it's like well if i don't do it it doesn't seem like anybody else is so Mm. i guess i'll do it right um and with you you know it's so obvious that this is you like when i whenever i think like oh yeah like i'm really into this and i'm really into that i'm like nobody's into this or that more than my friend john like he is the OG with all of this stuff. And, you know, there are plenty of YouTubers who got into even the retro side of gaming stuff just to come up with a clickbait title and they make their AdSense and, you know, they're doing their thing and they're making a living and, you know, God bless them for that. Like, that, that's fine. That's one way to have a YouTube channel. Then there's another way to have a YouTube channel and that's what you do. That's the Happy Console Gamer channel, which is like, you almost were afraid to even do this at all. It wasn't even a thing that you were super excited about, but 
But you were the same way where you're like, you know, if I don't make a review of these games called E's or Y's or no one even knows how to pronounce these games, uh, it doesn't seem like anybody else is going to. So, so I will, you know, and, and, that, and I, I, such, I, such an I, organic thing. Yeah. No, I would have liked to have seen if I didn't do it, what would have happened? Who else would have jumped in to do it? Would, would it have start, would it have gone the way it had gone? Would we have gotten more ease games? Would we have gotten more Dragon Quest? I can't say. I can't say that I made a change, but I think some things did change. I remember talking about Guardian Heroes, and nobody even knew what Guardian Heroes was. And all of a sudden, they're like, we're bringing Guardian Heroes to the 360, the Xbox 360. I was like, I can't take credit for any of that, but it's, it's nice when things like that happen, because it happens for everybody. Everybody gets to play Guardian Heroes. That's all I cared about. That's all I care. Mm -hmm. I don't have an ego to go, oh, I'm a cool guy because I talked about this game. And it's more like, yeah, I love this game and I'm, I, I'm glad other people get to play it. And let me tell you something, Kevin. I would have a much, much bigger show than I do if I sold out. If I, How I mean, and there's nothing wrong with doing this, I never tell people to subscribe. I don't go, hey, you're checking out the Happy Content Gamer Show. Make sure to like and subscribe and leave a comment down below. I tell people to leave a comment on something that's interesting and important to them. Um, I never say to like or subscribe. And I sh maybe I should have. Maybe I should do that. Um, but I can't. I feel it gets in the way of what I'm about to do. Where I sit down, I'm like, hey, we're talking about this game, and I get into it. I don't want to waste people's time. People's time is valuable. Um, and I think if anybody wants to subscribe, they would. I have analytics on my channel that says my channel should be half a million subscribers. Right? It should have been. Mm -hmm. But I mean... I have also, people come in, they see, they saw an anime review. Then the next episode, I'll be talking about an old game. But, oh, I'm out of here. So I think I, uh, I've, I've tried to remain the channel more video game centric these days than anime centric because people are always like, oh, I came here for video game. People will start getting upset nowadays. But I, um, but yeah, I, I could have made the show a much bigger show. I'm very conscious of it. I could still do it now. I choose not to. I actually choose not to because I feel it creates some integrity from the show. And let me say, I said to a lot of my friends, nice guys finish last. And especially on YouTube, you don't want to sell out. You're going to have a smaller show. I opted to have a smaller show. And I'm very happy with the audience that I have. I'm happy with everybody who's there. You know, everybody wants to be there. Nobody's been told, hey, please subscribe to me. And I'm not knocking anybody who says that. It's a very valid thing to do on YouTube. It's something personally for me, I chose not to do, you know, so. Yeah, well, I mean, just speaking for myself here, you have remained one of the only channels that I still watch all these years later. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. There are plenty of channels that are still around. They still upload. And I was interested at one point, but eventually I was like, yeah, I'm kind of over the format or the gimmick or like whatever the thing that they do is. But with you, I think what, what is unique and what has given you longevity is that it's not a gimmick. <laughs> it's not a format. No. You know, it, it, they say in all, in all the YouTube playbooks in the world that authenticity is king. And to a certain extent, it is. To, to other certain extents, it's really not. With you, it absolutely rings true. Uh, it, it does feel like you have created this vibe where uh, you're just hanging out with your friend you know that's I don't what it's mean, supposed to be that's what it's supposed yeah to be. i don't mean that to be like a parasocial weird thing it, it's like a very kind of chill thing where it's like all right let's hang out with johnny and like hear what he has to say about this game it's or, supposed to be it's supposed to be that way it's supposed to be 
that it's a friendly environment. It's saying, hey, we all like video games. Come and hang out. Come hang out with my friend Rob. And we're going to tell old stories. You guys have old stories. And everybody has old stories. And mm -hmm. so people can relate through our stories about their own stories. That's the secret. That's the secret of it. And when I bring Kim on, you know, it's about, you know, it's about having my, my family of friends there. You know, I've had my friend Andrew on from my past. Uh, it was just a great friend of mine. Rob on. Uh, I've even had Satan on the show. I have uh, Kim on the show. And, and I have, you know, I interview people and all that. And it's about, it's about making people feel intimate with us and all of that. Like, we don't share all of our lives, you know, about everything. But we try to make it inviting. And uh, we want to create a place where people come in and, you know, because the Internet's kind of a, can, can be a nasty place at times, sometimes. And I want to create a place where people can come in and just feel, how cool, you know, comforted and away from politics and away from that. You'll never get that from me on Twitter or on the show. I don't talk about religion or anything. I don't have an interest in it. It's not my uh, passion. My passion is talking about video games, and I want people to escape away from all of that. Because I know a lot of people just want to escape all of that. And that's what I try to create on this show, a place mm -hmm. where we go, oh, good, friends. Ah, we're talking about video games. We're having a good time. We're talking about old games. We're talking about new games, you know? And that's, that's what it's all about. So I feel very, Kevin, I feel after 14 years, I feel, I don't want to sound stereotypical here, but I feel really happy and I feel really, really fulfilled with what I built up. And it feels really good. And it's, it's as much as a, as a show for everybody, it's a show for me. It's a show for my daughter, you know, in the future to watch. So she can see what, what like all my memories and things like that. She, like, I wish I don't even have video of my dad, right? I'd have nothing. I got that, mm -hmm. I got that, uh, that picture with him with the shirt in, in Hawaii wearing the Dragon Ball shirt, where my daughter will be able to see who I was, what I was all about, and what excited me about things to do with arts and video games and culture and all of that. And I, uh, it realistically for me now is something that she can look on in the future. And as long as she doesn't see that episode and skipping school and playing video games, <laughs> we'll, we'll, all, we'll all be okay at that point type of thing. So, um, well, I know that your time is precious, but we have a few, uh, we have a few questions from our patrons. And before I get to that, I just wanted to say real quick, uh, one of the, the funniest things to me has been watching Kim's journey from like first getting into JRPGs to being becoming like the JRPG maniac. Like she will oh play all of these games for like hundreds of hours. And it's not like the kind of thing where it's like, oh yeah, she kind of dabbles in it now. And it went from like zero to a thousand over the, the course of the time that you've had this show on YouTube. So I, I, I don't, I never, I never say this to her. She's in the other room working right now. But um, it's it's really funny. Super proud. Like, I am in awe, too, Kevin. I'm like, when she was doing Shimagama Tensei 5 and rocking it, not just kind of rocking it, I was like, this girl is a freaking RPG machine, man. <laughs> I'm like, holy yeah. shit. And she finished that game in like a few, I swear to God, it was a couple of weeks, maybe two to three weeks. Done. Done. We did <laughs> We did our review, and she was near the end, just annihilated the game. And, and then Tales of Arise, done. You know what I mean? Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles uh, Definitive Edition, done. Dragon Quest 1 to 3, done. She's still working on 3. She's taking her time with 3. I don't know what's going on with that. She's been doing 3 for the last month or so, but uh, we've mm -hmm. both been a little busy lately So uh, with our daughter. But um, yeah, and she's, she's really I come into her own, that's for sure. Yeah, it's it's just been, it's really funny to me. There was even at one point where I was I said something to you about 
you know, how you really got to finish um, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. And you were like, yeah, maybe I'll watch Kim do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so funny. Well, you know, so there, there's, a, there's a part of me that there is a there is a big part. I love playing video games more than anybody. But there's also that guy that used to go to my friend's uh, Andrew's place down the street. And I watch him play a lot of games. And, you know, they were his games. And sometimes I get that. There's a real comfort for me sitting on the couch. You know what I mean? And just watching mm -hmm. him playing some games. And I'm just like, and we sit there and we just talk. And I take control of times. So we do things. And I take certain bosses on. And we, we switch back and forth a lot. But I like that interactive experience playing a game with your significant other or your friends. You know what I mean? It's something really fun about that. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm just gonna hit these questions real quick. We 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 double up with uh, a couple of the questions. So sorry, patrons, but I'm just gonna pick I'm gonna pick out one uh, from each of you. Uh, the first one is uh, I'm gonna pick out from Jeff. Uh, he he's asking what your favorite JRPG is. Now I know the answer is Fantasy Star. Yeah, yeah, so. Fantasy Star. Yeah. Do you, do you have like a second? Like if, if, if you don't know about uh, Johnny's love of fantasy star, yeah. just watch, you've done whole videos on it. Is yeah, there well, a number two though? I, I don't, I've never heard you talk about like a, it's a uh, solid number two. You know, honestly, I got a big video coming out. It's humongous. I've been working on it for months um, where I will dive really in depth into that is the first I talked about this, but um where I lay it all on the line for RPGs, pretty much. So I think that'll get answered in there. I, I definitely say that Fantasy Star 4 is in there. You know, there's a, there's a lot, though, Kevin. I mean, there's so many great RPGs. I mean, on every machine, I could pick one. I could, on, you know, say the PS1, I could say Final Fantasy 7. I could say Suicoden. I mean, the list goes on, like uh, Final Fantasy 9. I mean, the, all of these are great games. I'd have to rank them, and that would be where the insanity is. So, yeah. You could just choose Xenogears and, and make me happy. And Xenogears would be a bloody <laughs> good answer. Would be a great answer. Until he gets to the second disc. Until he gets to the second yeah. disc. Yeah. Then it's just like a, it's just a, a novelization. The Xenogears novelization is just too. I know. Um, uh, Charles Kahn asks, uh, he's, he's curious what kind of tabletop gaming that you've been up to. Um, he knows that you're a 4E D&D &D guy. His favorite videos of yours are your D&D &D videos. Well, thank you. You're you're one of few people who really like those. Like D and D videos started off really good in the channel, and they died off. And I think that's because people are getting D and D everywhere else. So I thought, well, I'm not the defuncto uh, D and D channel, but what are we doing? It's interesting. I got this big game uh, of D and D that I'm doing with Kim, which is really going really well. That's an entire episode into itself. Um, I honestly, there was a I, I came out of a video game store just before the pandemic hit, and I ran into a guy who watched the show. And he was really into Warhammer. Really nice guy. And I'm like, dude, I said, yeah, I've been painting the Blood Bowl miniatures. He's like, oh, I play Blood Bowl all the time. I said, do you want to get together and play Blood Bowl? Because I don't know anybody who does. He's like, yeah. So we've been planning to play it for the last two years. So that's something I'd like to get back into uh, a little bit more and stuff like that. And we also have HeroQuest, the original. And Kim is always saying, on a night, she's like, let's play HeroQuest. And I'm always like, I'm exhausted, you know, because it's like, it's always such a busy day. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we're doing, but uh, Hero mm -hmm. Quest is one we want to get back to as well. Mm, okay. Well, um, Isaac wants to know, you know, this was just announced uh, today, the day of this recording, that uh, PlayStation Plus has this whole new three-tiered subscription service. Uh, did you have any initial thoughts on what, what they're doing there? Well, well, the thing is, is I uh, because I've been sick today, I saw 
that I was posted. I haven't seen all the details of the service, but I will say this much. I'll just say this off the, the fly that PlayStation needs this. Uh, Xbox Game Pass. I am, I am, you know, obviously I'm not paid by any of these companies to say anything, but I think me and Rob are always talking about how much we like Game Pass and where people that like physical copies, but Game Pass has sold us because there's really? so many games. That, yeah, because the amount of, put it this way, my nephew was over the other day visiting with my mom and sister and I was trying to find a game for us to play. Oh, Streets of Rage 4, you know, downloaded that. Me and him were playing instantly and it was just, it was just uh, easy because it was there. I'm, oh, I hit download. I was on Game Pass. We were all happy to be on that and uh, and all that. But uh, PlayStation, absolutely, Sony needs a really robust Game Pass themselves. And so I'm going to really look into that. Hopefully, it's something uh, that will build over the years and get a bit better. It's hard to keep up with Microsoft. They have so much money. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, we're going to we're going to get you out on this one. It's a good one. I, I like this question. It's from NRM and NRM asks, what console do you believe needs some more love? Holy cow. Let's see. It's a good one. It's That's a good, a good one. Is that like a console of all time? Um, like, is I, that, I guess, does that mean it needs more game love or just love in general towards it? I, I took it as the latter. More love in general. Um, the, turbo, the turbo graphics. The Turbo Graphics needs more love because put it this way, it was like a child that was born and the parents just put it out on somebody's uh, you know, front step. It really <laughs> it, it feels like that to me. And and it really does. And for all of us of us that were there that embraced the Turbo Graphics, it was a beautiful time. It was an alternative to Sega, it was an alternative to Nintendo, but it was still very Japanese. And that's what was so cool about it. A lot mm -hmm. of the games were, were from Japan and had anime influences there. And that, that was that was great. And Eastbooks 1 and 2 and the, on the, and the CD-ROM. And it just never got the love it deserved. It died way too soon. Uh, I'm not getting choked up. I actually have a cold here. It's so funny. But <laughs> I, I really believe that that's a console that I could love to, uh, and talk about to the ends of days. Because I think it's just so underappreciated. Super Nintendo doesn't need any love. It's got everybody loves that machine, mm -hmm. you know, and like and, and all the rest of these machines do as well. But Turbo Graphics always a place in my heart. You know, I'm kicking myself for not getting that Turbo Graphics Mini because it's 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 out of print now, and it's like a billion dollars on eBay to buy. You one of those you things. you cannot blame me for not telling everybody to buy uh, it. Man, and I, I, I know I, I blame myself. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rub it in, Kevin. But I. I was looking at it. It's hooked up to my TV all the time in the living room. It's it's I eternally plugged in, and I'm always looking at it and go, I'm really happy about that. You don't have like a backup of a backup of a backup. You can send me. <laughs> I, I you know I I, I, I told the story a little while ago is that the cable guy came over here to fix some cables in the walls, and he's like, oh, you have to collect old video games and stuff. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, I remember playing the Turbo Graphics. I I need to buy a Turbo Graphics for like blazing lasers, and I I picked up the Turbo Graphics Mini. I'm like, dude. Look at this. And he's like, oh, what is this? And I'm like, go into Amazon. This is this is a, like a year ago plus. And he's like, oh, oh, wow, I'll, I'll, I'll get this. And so he went off to get one. He, I sold the Turbo Graphics Mini in my house. <laughs> 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 well, no, no, I didn't give him mine, but he went on Amazon and got his own. But uh, that's 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 the, the reality. I'm not just going online telling people to buy shit. I, I say it to their faces. You know, no, I know like, you're, you're, you're always just exuding your passion for gaming. And that's, what's so great about you and your channel. And you know, the, the last 14 years on YouTube and, and you said it yourself recently, 
that uh, you know, you're looking forward to the next 14 years on YouTube as well. You have no plans of slowing down. Not, not, not anytime soon. I really, if I didn't do it, it's not about money for me. It's not about internet uh, clout or recognition. It honestly is something psychologically that I, I enjoy doing. I really yeah. love talking about video. It makes me feel really good. Like that's the bottom line. That's, that's all it is. There's no secrets to it. That's it. So, all right. So real, real quick before, before I do let you go, what are you, what are you most looking forward to uh, for the rest of the year? Obviously Breath of the Wild 2 is not coming out this year. They just announced that also today. That's the no, latest spring I, 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 23. I so what's on your plate? I was looking forward to Advance Wars, but that's been taken off. Obviously, Chrono Cross, the remaster, we'll call it, you know, Rackle Dreamers edition. Looking forward to that. And I'd have to look at my list because I always, uh, I go by the month, so I'm only two months ahead right now. But there's there's quite a few other games coming out. It's a lot lighter of a year, Kevin. It's mm -hmm. a lot lighter. Of the, like, this is what I call, like, post-COVID. I was saying two years ago, don't, like, you know, when COVID first hit, I said, yeah, the games have already been made. I said, but, you know, I said, I'm worried about the next two years. Next two years is hits. I can't believe they did Elden Ring, though, in that time. Amazing. So, oh, yeah, there's, there's yeah. a lot to come, though. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for dropping by. It was great. It was great for me. I hope it was great for you just to get some some gaming talk out here uh, in, in the world. I know you don't get enough of that on your YouTube channel or your no. personal life. Oh, it's or nice to talk to people. Stop by. <laughs> it's nice to talk to people about it. And Kevin, because we're old friends, I've known Kevin for 22 years, I'd say at this point. And so yeah. it's always nice to come in and, and have a chat. That's for sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, everybody, please, 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 if you have any interest in gaming or just watching a man be very enthusiastic about the things he loves, go check out Johnny's channel. It's called The Happy Console Gamer and uh, and become a lifelong fan because you have lots of years ahead of you and, and a, lot, a, a long back catalog of videos oh, to yeah. go through as well. Um, all right, man, I'll get you out of here. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, everybody, we'll see you next Tuesday and uh, be sure to go to patreon.com slash the create unknown to support this show. Until then, we'll see you space cowboys. Thanks for listening to the create unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% goes directly to keeping episodes going every week. And we've been shocked by all the new support this year. The world's ending and I'm late for work. Gib Tom, Sid Polk, Demetrius, atrocious guff. You guys really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Ryan, Kamikaze, Maria, Marco Sheep, Tom Videogre, Jelksies, and Dan the Latch. And a tremendous shout out to our elite baby gang commanders, Linus and Trevstead, Boromir, Bot Dogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Andrew, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Basewade, Monahim, Dojangles, and Zero. You really are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Discord Savior Ladderman, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. And thanks to Baseweight for the use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme, and to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71. <laughs>